This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Dispatch Podcast. This is Jamie Weinstein. My guest today is Dave Mudcat Sanders. He is a famed political strategist, famed for helping Democrats, particularly in the South, win over rural voters, what he calls the Bubba voter. He was a key uh, campaign strategist for Jim Webb's run for Senate, for John Edwards's presidential uh, campaign in 2008, and Mark Warner's Senate campaign. Uh, he is not with a campaign that I know of at the moment and hasn't really talked to the media in some time, but we were able to get him on to discuss uh, what it would take for Democrats to win the Bubba voter in 2024, what he thinks will happen in the 2024 presidential race, and much more. Uh, I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did. Without further ado, I give you Dave Mudcat Saunders. Mudcat, welcome to the Dispatch Podcast. Good talking to you, Jamie. It's been a while. It's been a while. In fact, I think the last time we talked on air, uh, some type of forum, uh, was maybe around 2015, 2016. So I, I maybe start by uh, just talking about the evolution that I know we've talked on the phone a little bit. Uh, I believe in 2015, 2016, you, you seem to like Donald Trump. I don't know if you ended up voting for him. Uh, but it seems like you have a different view on him now. So maybe just that evolution from what you saw in Donald Trump in 2015, 2016, and, and how you view him now. Well, a lot of it had to do with, of course, in 2016, I was former boy Jim Webb. You know, we had that short-lived campaign and very early decided to get out. I mean, when 90% of the superdelegates were already with Hillary Clinton at that time, and all the candidates hadn't even announced. You know, it was uh, pretty obvious what was going to happen. But uh, I never was totally for Trump. I want to be clear. You know, uh, you know about it. My long running disdain of the Clintons. And of course, I live in rural America. I live in Craig County, Virginia. Counties fluctuates between a little less than 5,000 or a little over 5,000. You know, I just saw the damage that the Clinton trade policies had done, you know, to my area. And, uh, fly over America in general. I'm a rural advocate first and a Democrat second. But anyway, the Clintons had lost me along the line with, you know, the NAFTA CAFTA. If there had been a shafter, they'd have done it. Uh, favored nation status for any number of people, including Red China. That's a question I got for the media. Why did everybody quit calling Red China? 
<laughs> and they hadn't changed. <laughs> but anyway, you know, and, and the lack of antitrust, you know, suits on big boxes, which retail, which killed, you know, retail small towns. And of course, the vertical integration of the agricultural industry. It's culminated now Smithfield Food, which was a Virginia company, has been bought by China and the Chinese concerns. But I, I would say this, I was I was more against Hillary Clinton. I felt like the Democratic Party had to go in a different direction. And uh, I came out in April of that year in uh, 2016 and made a prediction that Trump was going to beat her, you know, she couldn't beat him in the Rust Belt, you know, with his economic populism, which ended up, in my opinion, being totally rhetorical. I didn't see what he did for us. You know, and, uh, Trump today, uh, you know, everybody hates everybody. And that, that bugs me big time. My county had voted 18% for Joe Biden. And I think this is true, you know, what I'm getting ready to say throughout rural America. You know, it's been since 1980, it's pretty much Liat, Water, God, Guns, and Gates. It's been not long after that, that that it became culturally unacceptable to be a Democrat. Uh, Donald Trump made it socially unacceptable to be a Democrat. And all the hate that's going on now, I can't deal with it. I, I really can't. And, you know, I'm a spiritual guy. I'm not very religious, but I'm very spiritual. And, and, uh, I don't like it. I think it's time that we had a leader, somebody that would unite us back again rather than continuing to divide. Looking at kind of the presidential field right now, it, it does seem like it's going to be Joe Biden versus Trump, but there is still a primary, particularly on the Republican side. Um, of all those candidates, is there any candidate that uh, you think you would prefer or and as a corollary that you think the, the Bubba voters, and we can describe what those are as well, uh, that you're famous for, for, for knowing how to talk to, um, who they would prefer? Well, you know, if I was a Republican, I tell you right now, Nikki Haley, and I like she. She got into my heart a little bit in the first debate when she talked about not demonizing people for the way they believe. And yeah, that's the truth. I mean, like I said, she got into my heart a little bit that uh, she could possibly unite. And one thing I know for sure, uh, she is without question the strongest. Republican to run against Biden. I mean, the polls, all the polls right now don't mean a whole lot, as you know. But uh, uh, I like I like her attitude uh, towards, you know, uniting people. And uh, I can't understand you know, the Republicans usually, you know, they say uh, Democrats, you know, fall in love and Republicans fall in line. And, you know, I think in any normal campaign, that should be doing a heck of a lot better because Republicans like to win. And without question, in my mind, she's the only one they've got right now. Before before I go any further, for, for those who don't know what you describe and when you say Bubba voter, that, you know, you're famous uh, for the campaigns, Democrats, conservative Democrats or Democrats who won in conservative states and Republican states. What is the Bubba voter that you help them win over and and what issues do they care about? People don't understand the rural vote. 
I remember when I did Mark Warner's Israel Guide in 2001, uh, he was catching a great deal of, of heat. And of course, Mark got 50.1% of a rural vote. And he's the only Democrat that's carried a rural vote like that in 50 years, a majority. Anyway, I, I told him right at the beginning that out here, I said, these, these people have been voting for Republicans, but they're not necessarily Republicans. And there's a large you know, group of Republicans out here, so-called Republicans, that Republicans, but they're looking for a way to get out. And I mean, down deep where they live, they're Roosevelt Democrats. Of course, culture, you know, defines, you know, the way they go. But Mark was was great as a candidate. But I told him when he was telling me about all the people in Northern Virginia talking about the rural votes, it's not that many of them, you know, out in rural areas. And, and you know, this was all coming from Northern Virginia, you know, huge you know, suburban sprawl. And uh, I told him, I said, you go to Alexandria, Virginia, where you're from, and you go out Route 1. I said, there's more voting rednecks out there than there is in all the coal-producing counties of Virginia. Everybody comes from somewhere. And rural is a mentality, and it's, it's down there where you live and you soul. And they're going to still vote rural issues and, and rural ideas because that's their culture. You know, I believe in the twofer vote. And I told Mark at that the time, you know, like, Jamie, if you vote for uh, out here in Craig County and you vote for a Democrat, how many votes is that worth to you? And most people will say one, but it's not one because you just took one away from the Republicans. So in reality, it's two. You know, we went after him hard. Mark did not pander, you know, with the voters at all. He said right up front, he said, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm a city boy. And, you know, from Northern Virginia, telephone guy. And uh, uh, I'm not from the culture, but I like it. And it's fun. Well, we went out and we did everything. Uh, we got a race car. Of course, that Selena uh, Lake, you know, did the soccer mom's deal. She immediately called it the NASCAR dance, which was berserk when 44% of the NASCAR fans are women. You know, we were just, you know, trying to get involved in the culture. We ran it a truck race at Martinsville. And, and uh, then we had the, the largest hunting and fishing group uh, in the history of Virginia elections. We had 1,500 people signed up, and they worked on it, getting outside. We had big rallies, big you know, hunting and fishing shows. We uh, had bluegrass music uh, with the Bluegrass Brothers and you know, our campaign song. And I go on and on at things that we did that were cultural. And anyway, Mark Amelie says, I'm not taking anybody's gun. So, you know, he was halfway to first base on that. But the uh, people who come out and try to pander the culture are getting nowhere. And I'm, I remember AP, Bob Lewis came in and wrote a story about it. We went turkey hunting and he asked me, you know, said, and I was guiding Mark, asked me how he was hunting. And I said, well, he was like an elephant in the woods. <laughs> I said, he make play and noise getting around and such. And uh, uh, he asked me, you know, did Mark ask you the most important thing about uh, hunting? And I said, yeah. I said, he did. And I told him, don't shoot Mudcat. Mark embraced that. But, but Mudcat, if I asked you, or if you were advising a candidate and they said, you know, Mudcat, what are, you know, one, two, and three, what are the three most important issues in order to reach these voters? What, what, what would you tell them? Understanding is number one, two, and three. Understand who you're going at. 
and the Democrats have never put money into it. I mean, Chuck Schumer, bless his heart, he did try to do that at one point in time, you know, with some uh, rural reach out, but it got nowhere. But you've got to have understanding of the culture. And if you don't, uh, you know, you can't do it. But inside every rural Democrat, or, or a lot of them, there's a Democrat, rural Republican, there's a Democrat trying to get out. And if we go back to the founding principles of the party, and that's what I am, and, you know, Andrew Jackson has is become a dirty word. I mean, he did obviously did some awful things, you know, with the Indians and with the slaves. But uh, an expanded form of, of, of Jacksonian democracy that, that covers social justice, economic fairness, and individual liberties, but expanded, you know, to everybody, red or yellow, white or black, red or yellow, black or white, their oppressors in his sight. And, uh, you know, it, it's just go for everybody. But we've abandoned a lot of those principles. Can Joe Biden, if he is the nominee, which he will be, versus Donald Trump, who is likely the nominee on the Republican side, can Joe Biden win back the rural vote or, 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 or the Bubba vote? Or uh, are these a solidly Trump base uh, and, you know, that he, he can't take from him? Well, I, no, I don't think Joe Biden can uh, really get after the rural votes. These people, uh, you know, Trump's branded, you know, he's. He's their savior. In fact, you know, go crazy. You know, I'll talk a little bit about the evangelicals. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. A anyway, you know, I've seen these signs, you know, popping up and, you know, saying that Jesus is my savior and Trump is my president. And that kind of thing burns me up. I mean, it, 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 John Prine said it best, you know, Sayer. Jesus of missing years. He said, Jesus was a good guy. He didn't need this shit. And he, he doesn't. I mean, it, God and politics don't sit down at the same time. They just absolutely do not. Uh, politics right now is about divide and God's about uniting. You know, politics, God's about his will. Politics is about the very, you know, zenith of man's will. And this idea of, of, of bringing them in together is wrong. I mean, it's just, it, as far as I'm concerned, people use it for political purposes. I never had is uh, committing blasphemy. They're going for personal gain or political gain or money gain. It doesn't matter. It's still blasphemy. If you bring, you know, metaphysical forces into it, as far as I'm concerned. What, what is the hold that Trump has on these voters? What is it about him that makes him such a, a cult-like figure? And what is it about Joe Biden that makes it hard for him to win over these voters? Well, you know, uh, go to the leadership principles of Attila the Hun, which was a book back, I think it was the early 80s that came back out. And one of the principles was when, when times are the darkest, the tribe will always turn to the meanest, toughest son of a bitch in the tribe for leadership. And uh, that's basically what's happened. There's a lot of, you know, pinned up uh, anger, resentment, frustration in uh, the hearts of many, you know, from, from the middle class on down. And uh, it's easy, you know, to saddle it. And Trump did. And, you know, the, the evangelicals, I just mentioned this, going back to supporting him. I mean, here's the most unchristlike individual that we've ever had in the White House. I mean, and and they jumped on him. I mean, it, it, to me, you know, I asked him, oh, boy, what time? I had a lot of wisdom. What would Jesus say if he came back and saw us today? Well, I know the same answer he gave then. It's what I'll give now. He'd say, 
Y'all got too tied up in the message, messenger and didn't pay a damn bit of attention to the message. The mingling of those two will always be a puzzle to me. I'll never figure that out. As far as Biden is concerned, his biggest problem is that he's been branded with, uh, you know, the age. And I mean, he's branded. There's nothing he can do. I don't understand Trump's just about the same age. Why he's not branded, but that's just the way it is. It, and honestly, if Chris Lasavita is doing that. He's from over here in Powtown, Virginia, which is way east of here down in Richmond. I've known him for years, but I think that he's not even going to run again. But I think that he'll be running against Donald uh, Cowboy Harris. And, you know, just take it for granted that, that Biden is not going to make it for four years. And this is who you're going to get up, you know, get in return. Do you think that's going to be uh, the Trump campaign message is that uh, I'm not really running against Joe Biden because he's not going to last four years. I'm running against Kamala Harris. I think that's what Chris will do. It's what I really do. I mean, he'll make it a big emphasis of the campaign. How, how important then will be the debate for Joe Biden? Does he have to? I mean, people are saying that he can do like what Trump did and say, oh, I'm not going to debate you. But doesn't Joe Biden have to show up and show that he's not the caricature that he's being framed as, you know, this frail, out-of-touch person? But Joe Biden will, will, will show up without question because he's a gifted debater. I mean, he'll wear Trump out, although I don't, I'm not so sure to be like, you know, as we all know, if you take out the, 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 the Kennedy-Nixon race in 1960 debates, I've really never done anything in a campaign, but Joe Biden you know, has always been a gaff machine, as you know, Jamie, doing this for a number of years. And but he, he, uh, if he, if he's only at fifty percent, which is way more than that, obviously, he he he'll show up for that without question. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. And we'll take a quick break to hear from Aura. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. And I'll tell you, not only have I given this picture frame to all the moms in my life, but I'm an only child, and it's been really fun to see my friends with siblings give this frame to their moms, and it turned into a passive-aggressive war to see which siblings can upload more pictures of their children. The Aura app is so easy. You can sit there at the end of the day while you're watching TV and just upload a couple pictures from the day and really show your brother-in-law who's boss. From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, and even the friends in your life, every mom loves an Aura frame. Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code DISPATCH at checkout to save. 
Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, let, let me ask you this, Mudcat. You mentioned that you uh, you obviously worked on uh, Jim Webb's uh, Senate campaign, successful Senate campaign. I think you might have been the one who uh, to convince him to jump in. Uh, and then he had that 2006 uh, short-lived presidential run. Uh, if I remember it correctly, I mean, on the debate stage, he was so kind of not in the center of the Democratic zeitgeist. I think they even laughed him at laughed at him at one point for his uh, tremendous war service. Can a Democrat? I mean, is there the, the Democrats that used to court to win elections? Are they viable in today's Democratic Party? It'd be hard to find one. I think John Tester at Montana. I mean, he understands the power of the culture and. Anyway, of course, Jim Webb understands the Scots-Irish culture. You know, he wrote the bestseller, you know, Born Fighting. Jim and I, of course, both uh, Scots-Irish. So he understands the culture thoroughly. But uh, it's like I said, understanding. You've got to understand. You've got to work at it. And you've got to get in the middle of it. And, uh, and you can't be off culturally. It's like, you know, any time the Democrats talk about getting guns, they lose votes. And I think the key to this election, I really do, is that any time the Republicans go after abortion, they lose votes. And I mean, that's, you know, institutional memory there. I mean, it's always worked that way. But uh, you've got to be sympathetic towards the culture. You really do. And, and show respect for it. You don't have to be from it like Mark Warner, but you got to be respectful. Uh, I have one, I have a couple of questions I'm going to bring in from our mutual friend, Matt Labash. I reached out to him, the former writer for the Weekly Standard, a friend of the dispatch, uh, I think more uh, broadly. He gave me a couple questions for you. He said, one is that, uh, you know, you've been an articulate voice for populism for a long time, but we sort of have it now, he's, he writes. Did it work out like you planned? Where did it go wrong? Where did it go wrong? What's been rhetoric? Is what it is, where it's gone wrong. I want to see action. I really do. I want us to start. We need to bring manufacturing back. I don't claim to be an economist or anything, but we've become completely pretty much a service nation. Uh, we're not bringing in any money, uh, you know, any additional income from manufacturing. Uh, you know, I, I, I think we need to go back there. And, uh, of course, we're real low on the workforce now on this border problem. Listen, I'm not for wholesale enough. American citizenship by any means. I think people all have to stand in line, and I think that's what close to 90% of American people believe. But at the same token, uh, we got to get a workforce somewhere. And, you know, I think it, uh, shutting down the illegal immigration across the border, you know, is the right thing to do. But at the same token, I think legal in- immigration could help us. And, you know, with wonderful background checks and family, you know, situations. But Glenn Young, you know, our governor in Virginia, and, and I like Glenn. He's been very nice to me, you know, when I've seen him. I like him, but he's started a new workforce uh, training deal and says that, you know, we're down 300,000 jobs in Virginia right now. We're talking about manufacturing. And 
you know, you can't find people to work. And people say, you know, people are too lazy to work. That's not true. Not everybody. And uh, it's just people are employed now. They've already got jobs, but we need to do something about the workforce. We really do. I think I think we need to really work on an immigration issue. Mudcat, uh, just out of curiosity, a, a lot of the episodes of this podcast since I, I started it here, or start, since I started hosting it at the Dispatch uh, in October, have been uh, focused on the Middle East. How do Bubba voters view uh, what's going on in the Middle East? How do they view Israel? Do they, you know a candidate that comes and tries to appeal to them? Is that a an issue that they care about? Well, my neighbor up right here, uh, Curtis Hallwell, he's a Vietnam veteran, as big a Trumpster as you can find. And uh, he's got an Israel flag up on his flagpole, and I've seen more of it. Honestly, out here that I've talked, they don't talk a lot about the Middle East. What they want to talk about is immigration, uh, for the most part. You know, I don't think it's an issue that much. And is that what, you know, is that one of the issues that, even just rhetorically, immigration, trade, that Trump, you know, constantly pounded in 2016 and his you know, a, a common topic in, in 2024 for him. Is that what attracts them? Or is it just his personality that attracts them? Oh, he's bigger, his personality. It's like I say, it goes back to Attila and the principle. When times are the darkest, that's when, you know, the tribe will turn to the meanest, toughest son of a bitch, the tribe for leadership. And that's one thing that really bothers me is that, that the idea that, that this country is going to hell. I mean, if, if you look at the economy, you look at what's happening, you know, I think with the infrastructure bill, Wall Street sure feels this way. We got some clean sailing ahead, and people only focus now on the negative rather than the positive. And I think uh, Trump bears great responsibility for that. We're the greatest nation in the world. How how do you expect uh, you know, you know, obviously gave your view of the primary where the Bubba voters will be. But if you looked at more broadly how the 2024 election will play out, do you have a view on who do you think will win? Do you think it's going to be a close race? Do you think one of the other uh, one of the candidates of the other Biden or Trump is going to win in a landslide? H how do you view 2024 and how it will play out? Wrong with Chris Sununu up there in New Hampshire. I don't think mathematically possible for Trump to win. And of course, all that's going to happen is he's going to get beat. Hmm. Joe Biden will get 300 electoral votes again. And he'll say the election was rigged. And uh, I was reading the other day, you know that he raised hell with the, grand, with the Emmy committee because he didn't get an Emmy for the apprentice and said that the voting was rigged. But uh, it seems like every time he loses, he claims it was rigged. I don't think he can win. I really don't. Because you 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 know uh, kind of the Bubba voter who supports Trump, there have been people that suggest that there could be violence if he's indicted or not indicted, but if he's convicted or he loses an election. Do you think there that the there is any chance of that, or at least in the area that you are? Do you do you see anybody who's willing to you know uh, fight uh, if if they see Donald Trump either lose the next election or uh, is indicted? Is that overblown, or do you think there's any grain of truth to that? I think, I think it's cooled off, a lot of it. And it's not like it was on January the 6th, the anger. It's it, it's it really, I don't, I don't understand it, I guess any, but if you look at electoral politics and national operatives, Republican operatives, uh, how many of them have you heard 
say that the election was rigged. They all say, well, you know, there could have been irregularity, you know, but how many of the rogues or the Mike Murphys, you know, or the Jeff Rose, how many of those guys are saying it was rigged? Exactly zero, because they'd look like a bunch of fools to their peers if they did it. You can't rig a national election. It's too many moving pieces. And, you know, that movie 2000, that documentary 2000 Mules, I counted up how many people would have known about it. Those 4,000 people. Now, and, and of course, it'd be more than that. That was just to, to get it all through there. And, uh, but uh, that 4,000 people, none of them told their wife or their girlfriend. None of them got drunk at a bar and told a friend. And more importantly, not one of them got the 20 to $50 million that you get from some network to expose and, you know, for an exclusive story on it. And uh, I don't get that part of it either. Just out of curiosity, have you ever met Donald Trump? Or alternatively, have you ever met uh, someone else who advises him or has advised him for many years who has been in kind of your political operative game, Roger Stone? Uh, and if so, what, what, what insight do you, do you, can you give us on those two figures? Well, Paul Manafort called me. Paul Manafort. Yeah, he was the first one to call me. He wanted me to, to get Webb, see if I could get Webb's vote. And I told him, I said, you know, nobody gets Webb's vote. And, you know, Jim, of course, tells people that when he ran for the Senate in 2006, I talked to it. I talked him into it. I thought that was nice and was proud of it for a while until I got to know Jim really well and then found out that. Nobody talks him into anything, and I just happened to be on the telephone when he decided to run. But uh, then I talked to Paul Manafort. Uh, Fox came here in August of 2016, did a, a documentary highlighting me and calling it the Trumpocrats. Well, I got a call after from Steve Bannon after that. But then uh, Steve was you know, very, very nice to me. And uh, he's a tech boy and a Richmond Benedictine boy. And, uh, but they offered me, or, you know, want to know what I could get done for this and for that, you know. But uh, I told him, I'm a Democrat and I don't get to work for Republicans. And, you know, I, albeit I'm not a very good Democrat, according to many. But uh, uh, that's the only contact that I've had with him, which be Paul Manafort and Steve. But not. But you never met Trump or talked to Trump. No, I've never talked to Trump. Trump was was was. Uh, he tweeted. There was thirteen times I think that, that documentary was shown, and he's tweeting out every time. Or, you know, watch. You know the 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 Trumpocrats, but you know it wasn't uh, uh, so much a pro Donald Trump documentary for me as it was. You know, talking about the Clintons, their trade policies, and other policies, which really. And, you know, this idea that they said when they did it, that, you know, after it was over with, you know, when they did it, they said, you know, this would create new and more high-paying jobs and that after it was over with. They said that the uh, ramifications of the trade treaties were unintentional. And so immediately I said, yeah, unintentional. They were unconsidered is what they were. Munkin, I don't actually don't know this. Are are you completely done as a political strategist, or would you? Are you working for anyone anymore, or would you work for for a candidate if they came and asked you for help? Well, it depends on who it is. You know, I've done a, a good many campaigns, but every time I did one, it was for somebody I believed in. 
including John Edwards. And, you know, to this day, I'll, I'll still say it. John Edwards was wonderful to me. You know, as you know, he gave me a, an open field to run down if I wanted to. And, uh, but I'm just not going to go to, to work for anybody. I mean, I'm, I like to think I'm not a political whore. Do you, do you think, uh, you know, two of the three most famous candidates you've worked for are no longer running for office or seem to not have a, a plan to run for office, John Edwards and Jim Webb? Do you, do you think that they would ever run for office again or are they completely done? I'd say they're both completely done, but uh, Webb especially. Uh, I mean, Webb 77 now. Pretty sure that's correct, but uh, he understands the rigors of it. You know, personally, I'm with that seventy percent of the American people. Uh, I wish neither one of them would run. I, my buddy Dave Axelrod, you know, he said that Joe ought to step down. He got you know smeared on it, and and Obama said the truth about Joe Biden last week, and uh, he needs to get first string on the field. And I'm not disparaging who he's got on his staff now, but in the presidential campaign, you need a lot of institutional memory. Uh, you really do. Expertise, and there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines like Axelrod, but I think Dave's done it. Robert Gibbs and Messina and Pluff, you know, I, I'd be talking to those guys. Okay, let me close on these questions here. Uh, just out of curiosity, did you, did you watch the the Rich Man North of Richmond singer? And, and is that a, a guy who embodies the Bubba kind of uh, mindset? No. No? <laughs> no? Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. He he sang Rich Men North of Richmond. And that, to me, uh, I would think embodies kind of the voter that you're talking about. Um, am I wrong? Or what, what did you think of that kind of viral moment? Oh, he was singing to the choir as all he was doing. I mean, if you're, you're going to drive votes, you got to sing to more than the choir. Everybody like that is, is locked in with Trump. Let, let me close with this question, Mudcat. Have I missed anything that I that uh, I should have asked you that that you know you haven't talked to the media in a long time that you want to opine about? Because I want to give you this forum to to, to say anything uh, that that I haven't uh, haven't prodded out of you so far. I've got a theory, and it's it's. It's, I think it's about a one or six or seven chance. I think the Republicans could have a broker convention, and then all hell will break loose. That's just a food for thought out there is all it is. How would that happen? How would that happen, Mudcat? Uh, can you just walk through the scenario where, is it that Donald Trump doesn't get the delegates or that you know by the time he gets to the convention, people are trying to come up with rules that will prevent him from, from, from being the actual nominee? I just think that there's, of course, what is there, 104 or 100, uh, 104 or 104 electoral votes, I mean, delegate votes that are super delegates, just like the Democrats. And I think there's about 2,500 of them. If, if they can get through the first ballot and Trump is not 50 plus one delegate count, I think, uh, you know, they'll let go on the second, the, the pledge delegates are letting, let go on that second ballot. It's just something about Nikki Haley that tells me that they could jump for the electability. I'm surprised more Republicans, you know, aren't jumping up because, I mean, they got to win. I don't think, it's like I said earlier, that Trump can win. And, and a lot of my Republican friends, and I talk across a lot of scrimmages, you know, to the Republicans. So I've developed, you know, a bunch of great friendships, including Ken Kuchinelli. Ken and I think so. He's a close friend. We shoot together, skate. And, 
talk about real things. Electability, I think, at some point in time is going to come into question. And Republicans, like I said, you know, they fall in line. It could happen. You could have a big line fall. Well, well, uh, uh, Mudcat, if, if it was Joe Biden versus Nikki Haley uh, for the presidency, who would you cast your ballot for? I don't know. I hear more about Nikki Haley, you know, get to know her a little bit better. But it's like I said, she she's talking about uniting, not dividing, which to me, you know, is, is a huge deal. I, I, I do think that if she wins, you know, if you look at history, you know, the first uh, historic first for presidents or prime ministers in the country, they always come from the right. They never come from the left because women on the left, a certain number of them are going to vote for a woman on the right because she's just a woman. And, you know, they want, you know, the, the glass ceiling to be broke. And, uh, I mean, if you look at, let's see, Golda Meir, that was one, Maggie Thatcher, this lady in Italy, I forget her name. But if you look all, you know, through history, they always come from the right. And uh, I think that Nikki Haley would be uh, a formidable, if not unbeatable, opponent. I really did. Well, provocative Mudcat, as always. Thank you so much for joining the Dispatch Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.